0: Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. The opinions expressed in the program by the host and the guests are their personal opinions only. Remember, feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Managing Director of State Street Digital Assets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to another episode of Beyond Bitcoin. My name is Derek Graham, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Nitin Gower. And Nitin, it's morning time where you are right
1: now. I am, and i inspired by your travels, Derek. I decided to take a, travel, a trip of my own. I'm in Austria. Actually, I'm sitting right, right next to Danube River, which is such a pleasant, you know, natural scene here. Yeah. Well, you're looking wonderfully well.
0: What have you been doing? Thank you. What are you over in Austria doing?
1: well i was i'm here for something called a bold on conference which is by the austrian innovation group they've invited a few leaders from around the world and i think the idea there is to to connect and to be able to you know to be able to learn from each other and and be able to contribute at some level to austrian thinking of of what's to happen and it's 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 interesting because you have leaders from all walks of life you have space tech you have agrotech you have people focusing on world hunger. There are people like us who are focusing on digital currency and metaverse. So there's a whole group of people coming together for the next four days starting this evening. Still looking forward to it, Derek, and it's, all, it's a break. I came here early to travel, which travel gives me, as you know, both of us exposure to what are people thinking. And you talk to a bunch of people in, about crypto and the sentiments. Mm. Uh, so I didn't go to, you know, Slovakia, I did go to Budapest and Hungary and, and did go to Prague and just to get sentiments. And Prague is bustling with, with crypto energy while many of these countries are trying to adopt and understand, which I think was super interesting conversations that I've had with with a bunch of folks that I met. So all in all, I think great trip. I did get a chance to get some sun, as you can see. I was hiking all day yesterday in Wakao in Valley and, and it was it was just a good break from the from from the rest of the stuff that we do on, on a regular basis.
0: Oh that sounds wonderful. Hey i love the fact that whenever one travels you get an opportunity to ask people you particularly reach out and speak with people to get a sense of what their life is what they think the economy is doing what's happening in their culture and you're saying that prague is a real adopter of
1: cryptocurrency crypto assets etc why do you think that is so what's interesting is you had 27 countries that make up the European Union, some countries actually have their own monetary system. Prague is one of them. Prague and mm-hmm. Hungary both have their own. So they're not, while Euro is accepted and dollars accepted everywhere else, they they control their destiny with, with their own monetary system. And I think that, of course, as any European member nation is required at some point to get this European monetary union, it comes with a price tag. It comes with some sacrifices, uh, you know, which is labeled as austerity in some cases, as we have seen with 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 Greece and so on Greece. and so forth. So there's a lot of debate in the country: should we do this or should we maintain the course of keeping control of the monetary system, so we can control our destiny? And every country wants to be able to have some control. Which, the moment they join the European Union from a monetary union perspective and adopt euro, then now they have to be they have to adhere to some of the European central banking sort of system per se. So that debate ensues, and while the, that debate is happening, of course, crypto always takes the shape to say, hey, we have a better system here. That we can go after Bitcoin. We can go after digital currencies, which gives us global access to the talent and global, global access to a lot of monetary systems and financial systems that, that's emerging. So I, I, in my conversation, and it's funny because the my tour guy, the guy who I, I generally hire somebody so I can get to know the, the system and the people, and he introduced me to a, to a bunch of organizers of the events here, and they had the same thinking to say, "Hey, we have we have a opportunity here to reshape our thinking around this." And so, uh, to me, it was just simply fascinating because they're they're thinking both in terms of what you know, not as much as El Salvador or not as extreme as El Salvador or South Africa, but more on the lines of Turkey and Argentina to say, "Hey, um, the impact of this could be enormous because a lot, a lot of these countries, the lion's share of the of their economy ties to." tourism and, and, and wine and beer, literally, that's the main sort of facets yeah. of how they make money. They want to be able to go beyond that. And as a small country, it becomes really hard for them to do it. And they see crypto as an avenue for them to really you know embark on that journey, Derek. So that is super interesting to learn,
0: I think. They're running independent thinking then. So both as a government, they're thinking independently. And as individuals, they're worried about the future and
1: they're thinking independently. Is that how it's happening? So to me, I haven't met the government officials here. I will meet some in Austria. However, individual thinking, which my assumption is that it's not always the case, as we know, but individual thinking should reflect the elected officials because they represent people in general. But the individual thinking in general is is exactly that, is ability for them to be able to not be constrained to what they have seen with some other many economies who moved to Euro and they suddenly had a decline in the standard of living, only because of of the higher sort of valuation of the of of the euro compared to the currencies and, and having little control in terms of money supply, which is the amount of euros that it's in the system uh, which allows them to be able to do these things. My understanding, Derek, would be that I'm assuming that that is sort of seeping into the conversation of the politicians and representatives of the Czech Republic to be able to maintain that, the will of the people, so to speak. But that's mm-hmm. yet to be seen. I haven't spoken to any parliamentarians at this point in time but hopefully in future
0: Hmm. well that's intriguing because as you and i were talking earlier on i had the opportunity to brief the senator yesterday and this morning on the floor of the senate in is part of his speech were my briefing notes that came through and this is wonderful to have an opportunity to have a voice on a senate of a country and at the same time frustrating because the voice was outlining Where the existing government the current government in power which in australia is the labour government at the moment is not really progressing with with regulations and progressing with moving this space forward now it's not making it illegal it's just not putting framework into place and hence the reason for my (laughs) paper through to the senator to be able to argue the proposition that a framework needs to go into place a little bit on that later But now maybe set the scene for my theory about what's happening around the world, hence the reason I asked the question about the independence of the nation that's looking at investing in this space. Because I get a sense that a great percentage of the world is looking towards the US for guidance in this space, and the US is playing a role to try and show it has guidance in this space and its guidance at the moment is in the realm of stopping it wherever possible and that's having an impact and a flow on effect and it's setting the culture for a lot of these countries to either rapidly adopt or just kick it down the down the down the road as i said in my briefing notes for the speech kick the can down the road until someone (laughs) else picks it up and understands the space to actually be able to integrate it whilst at the same time has to realize in australia 25 percent of the population holds cryptocurrency it's an extraordinary percentage of your electorate to hold cryptocurrency yet still not set a put a set of regulations in place so as we know last month the uh, the sec continued its sort of its its recent losses in the federal (laughs) appeals court (laughs) and did an outstanding job of losing solidly to grayscale's application to convert its bitcoin trust into an exchange-traded fund. And it undermines the agency's kind of long-standing position, it says, to the concept of, you know, listed spot market investments in the digital asset realm. So, you know, the judge actually said the denial of Grayscale's proposal was arbitrary and capricious because the Commission's failed to explain its different treatment of similar products. Capricious. I love that word. Sounds great, doesn't it? It's very sophisticated. It means, (laughs) it does very sophisticated, as you'd expect from an erudite judge, no doubt. And it means impulsive, unpredictable, subject to whims or sudden changes. But that's where I disagree with the judge entirely. I think that, in fact, this is consistent with what the SEC has been doing. And it's obviously consistent. So I think what we've seen here is that better words for the judge to use in regards to this, heaven forbid me, suggesting words for a judge, is that the judge, the the words probably should be malicious, duplicitous, (laughs) and
1: deceptive. Well, I can see, Derek. One, it's commendable that you've been writing for the sentence it's one way for us to influence and educate our elected officials. So that's congratulations on that—that that you're you're being sought after in Australia. But I think this is—you've taken this to a whole new level, Derek. That now you're actually writing the pieces, or you're suggesting these words uh, to go into the vocabulary of 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 the judiciary. So which which I think is commendable, and it's interesting.
0: No, it's just gone to my head, obviously. <laughs> but if I if I continue with this, I would argue that you know it's probably likely that ultimately Gensler and the SEC won't win this battle and I think most people nod their head but it's not about winning the battle it's about how much damage (laughs) they can do to this threat to the banking industry this threat to the current monetary it's seen as a threat not an opportunity threat should be seen as opportunities you know but it's looked at as a threat and, and, this sort of leadership and I lose that word in quotations can set a false course for those wishing to delay the technology or to you know that might impact the banking or monetary system in the democratic world. So and we saw this kind of roll through recently, and that is just recently Singapore's new President, which is primarily a ceremonial role, but nonetheless, True. Mr. Tharman Shanmagar Atman, I hope I pronounced that correctly, you know, who was previously the finance minister and central bank chairman, you know, he's he's turned around and has said, you know, essentially, his view is that cryptocurrency is purely speculative and slightly crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah, I read that.
0: <laughs> you read that? I love it. Um, I read that. But, you know, I, I laughed it. What would you expect from a gentleman who's 66 years of age, who spent his entire life in banking? Because it's different. It's that old story about brake, clutch and accelerator when you're trying to use an aeroplane which which has got rudders and ailerons and elevators. It is a different set of criteria to to put into play. The irony of this space, and I wonder whether this happens has happened in any other space, but the irony of this space is that governments are looking to banking institutions for guidance to implement utilization of decentralized finance and cryptocurrencies. Well, I mean, it's kind of like asking the paper industry to give take a briefing on computers and the future of paperless offices. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I, I think that's that's hilarious. There, and I think we were also as as we're discussing prior to recording this in terms of the role of technology, and oftentimes it's you know it's been trying to be tamed, it's been trying instead of understanding it and and having wiser regulation. And I, I think we're in a certainly interesting time because this week alone you had the 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 LSEG, which is the London Stock Exchange Group. Has drawn up its plan for a blockchain version of traditional assets. This is your conversation of real-world assets, right? Real and while assets. they may not be interested in cryptocurrencies, their head of you know capital markets said, you know, hey, uh, we found that digital technology can make trading, I quote, slicker, smoother, cheaper, and more transparent. And I'm like, welcome to the club, because we've been saying this for almost 12 years. <laughs> And oh, then you have Visa expanding... over with a feather. <laughs> 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 and we had Visa, which is expanding its USDC to Solana and ex- working with the 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 issuers, you know, like the WorldPay and and you know and the likes, to be able to bring payments to to the mainstream. And then you have again a deal between one of the largest banks in korea which is hana bank with bitco for a custody arrangement and potentially a joint venture activity with bitco as a larger as a lion share of the custodian to custody lion's share of the 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 uh, stable coins so you have all these and then you have as you rightly pointed out suddenly you have FATF and central bis and 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 sec completely going against the vein of innovation and so I think there's a there's a little mismatch and this creates a challenge yes. because it creates one friction and the friction leads to inability for the industry to fully adopt this, fully understand the potential technology and the concerted effort that we as an industry need, which is in terms of investment of people, time, technology, skill set that's needed to shape this industry in a meaningful way simply gets delayed. And to you, I, I would borrow the phrase kicking can down the road because this is inevitable. It's a matter of us Understanding the potential, embracing it, and then going forward with it with meaningful, you know, regulation. I think you know this to me is is becoming challenging by the day, and I, I continue to see investment from the corporates and large financial institutions, including the crypto financial institutions, which have now been institutionalized, like Coinbase, for instance. And they seem to be fighting the same battle, which to me is certainly interesting. They they were they were views as competitive threat, and now in the same camp to say we need some clarity. Yeah, so it's been interesting, I think, to say the least. It's very interesting,
0: and I mean, you know, the Chinese word for danger also means opportunity. I've been I've been told interesting, and um, and we, we always hear that someone cliched statement that you know in in threats is where opportunity exists, and and that's exactly what both the finance industry, the fund management industry, the International Monetary Funds, the banking system. This is a threat. You know, to begin with, as that old saying goes, no one cared about crypto assets, and then they kind of laughed and ridiculed it for a period of time, and now they're attacking it. We've said that a number of times this process, but this is an extraordinary opportunity for them. So, at any rate, there was a there was a, a set of digital asset regulations put forward called the Digital Asset Market Regulation Bill 2023 that was put forward to the Senate yesterday, and the senators spoke on it this morning, and the the existing government chose to delay any input on this and waited for future industry feedback not even a date just we'll look at the industry feedback in the future and that industry of course is the banking industry meanwhile in australia we've seen most of the large banks debank the crypto exchanges so the banks have actively told you what they think about the space they're debanking it whilst at the same time trying to work out how to engage with it, like any good aggressive competitor would do. However, if you're trying to implement something for the good of a country, good of a nation, good of people on the ground, as you're discovering when you're wandering around Europe, you probably shouldn't have the major profiteers tell you the future of how this particular space should operate. Huh, my argument, call me naive. But my very brief couple of paragraphs like there was there was a four page long briefing and there was sort of mostly read out, but it but it sort of sets a bit of a tone, and that is that. I I said, you know, many of us in the room for the Senator to speak on may not understand the operation of smart contracts that run decentralized finance or algorithms that manage blockchains. However, what we need to know is that it is likely to be the way of payments finance banking and asset transactions in the future. And it's estimated that 25% of all Australians hold cryptocurrency or crypto assets. So, you know, crypto assets, you know, are in fact defined as the first entirely new asset class since the Dutch East Indies developed their equities exchange in 1601. This was the prelude to all global stock markets and stock exchanges, it was the prelude to the greatest democratization of wealth in the history of commerce to date. Now, what sits in front of us now, I argue, and I put forward in the paper, is that what now now stands in front of us is this new asset class known as crypto assets. Now, unlike the equities exchanges of the 1600s, cryptocurrencies and crypto assets are driven by smart contracts. And will be limited only to the boundary and imagination of mankind. The ability to democratise assets globally and the ability to democratise payment systems globally really sits on our doorstep right now, today. And it's extraordinarily powerful, but it's fascinating to watch that something that takes away such a decent percentage of the rent taker fee in the middle of all transactions, yeah. has so much pushback. And yet again, why should I be surprised, Nathan?
1: Yeah, and uh, Derek, but this, there's another sort of subculture emerging, right? So we talk about, uh, to me, I find it incredibly, one, annoying and um, at times surprised that crypto begins to look like traditional asset, the four asset classes that we've been dealing with, equities, bonds, and everything else. We're talking about regulation, talking about ETFs, we're talking about and the reason why I got into this is to move away and provide a better financial system. We don't, I mean, you're still laden with intermediaries. Yes, it helps you with liquidity. It helps you with piggybacking. And maybe that's a transitionary element that we need to, to, to adopt and consume. But I'm looking at, I'll give you a few examples, right? There's mm. something called El Zonte Beach, which is El Salvador phenomenon. It's okay. also known as Bitcoin Beach. And the idea behind that entire is that currency must be used for commerce and not cashed into dollars and used, you know, at the direction of, you know, some entity, which means that Mm. it's meant as a currency unit of exchange, you know, unit of exchange, unit of value Mm. and store of value. And then you have another one, which I was looking into this something called Bitcoin-Ekasi story. It comes from South Africa, It takes you back to Moselle Bay. There's actually a documentary on this, which is fascinating. Moselle Bay, South Africa, where a group called Bitcoin Akasi has partnered with a local surfing group to create new opportunities for Bitcoin. So it's similar to the El Zonte Beach or the Bitcoin Beach. The idea is for the community to be able to use Bitcoin. And this particular community actually pays your salary in Bitcoin. They accept Bitcoin. They use Bitcoin as a medium of exchange to buy things in the small community. Mm. So I'd see El Salvador, so South Africa to say, hey, you know, while they are small, maybe impoverished in some cases, and I've not been to, I've been to El Salvador, I've not been to either of the two. So I'm, this is like a secondhand information, which tells me that I should go and explore it myself mm. at some Good point. On. You have these things, which is, again, happening at the microcosm of this sort of microeconomic phenomenon that's emerging which is fighting against to so say we we want to use this currency we don't really care about converting this to us dollar and then tying into the traditional system and then you have the likes of turkey and argentina which is fighting the hyperinflationary element i mean that's it's ridiculous derek that you know the five-year realized inflation for argentina is 60 percent. Wow. get that and turkey is 33 percent, and last year alone the currency lost 75% of its value. Oh. So a lot of these holders in these countries are saying, you know, 1.8 billion, some of the numbers, right? Lira, an average 2 billion a day across their exchanges is being converted into Bitcoin only because of the of this crazy central bank number of 25%. The interest rate is 25% in, in Turkey at the moment. You know, and so to, if you compare United States, Turkey, it's still doing okay with, with, with the 7% you know, return or risk-free return that they talk about. So I look at these things and I'm thinking, where does the the conversation that you were talking about, where does the regulation fit into all this stuff? Because the notion of people converting the currencies because of hyperinflationary events and ability for them to preserve their currency or using like in case of South Africa and El Zonte Beach is impoverished communities are simply saying that we have a better way to earn money. And if Bitcoin gives me the same standard of living that somebody else in a similar country has to offer i think it gives you a to me it gave me a whole different perspective to say i really don't care what sec is talking about because this is solving people's problems the reason why we all are all here right and so yeah. i find that interesting i don't i don't know how you know how this is going to grow this phenomenon is going to sort of start reaching into these parts of the world but i would like to see these examples Growing exponentially every year and going to these impoverished nations and improving the standard of living, and I think at that point the crypto would have served its purpose. Than rich people having access to yet another asset classes from a fund perspective, which agreed. which is fine too. But but
0: yeah, yeah. So. totally agreed. I mean, if you've got if you've got something like a decentralized finance that enables micro loans at high speed and low cost throughout a community, is that not a wondrous thing? in comparison yeah, to yeah. having to approach a bank, you know, beg them over the, apologize for your indifferences potentially on religion, color, location, or sex, and hope that they'll give you a loan. You know, these these things that we think now are just the way things are done. It doesn't make sense they're done that way. What makes sense is yeah, someone's right. capable of doing something and <clears throat> therefore it, it enables it. You know, I just looked then, 3% compound interest over 20 years, is takes $100 to $180. So another way of looking at as though 75%, by example, is an extraordinary amount, we expect an inflation rate where we live at 3% every year, we expect that it's 3% inflation every year, two to 3%. Well, that means that in in 20 years time, which is not, you know, that's a third of a lifetime, no, it's a quarter of a lifetime now things will now cost you $180 where they previously cost you $100 because your currency is constantly deflating in value or its ability to purchase. These systems are currency systems in place now. There's no reason for that system to be in place. There's no reason we have to put up with 3% inflation. You know, if you you were to build a currency relating to 50 different commodities, and 10 different major crypto assets, by example, I don't think you'd see it deflating at the rather inflating at the rate of 3% per annum, or your power deflating of its purchase power. So so there's a lot that we take for granted that this system, I, I believe, has opportunity to, to yeah. you know, to really make a difference in change. So, So anyway, so obviously, both of us are on our high horses today, because we've we've we uh, are we are you know, we are, you know we're, we're arguing the proposition really which is to say wake up governments um in australia the the bill that was put forward was very simple it simply suggested that a set of regulations be built around stable coins a set of regulations be built around exchanges set of regulations be built around custodians um, and a set of regulations be built around the review of central bank digital currencies. Very sensible. A stable coin makes yeah. a good deal of sense. You need to regulate exchanges. Custodians should be in place for large investors. Just all make sense. And if you're going to look at CBDCs, let the people work out how they're going to review and what they want as a, as a CBDC. Yet that was put aside as not being relevant to the Australian population, of which one in four owned cryptocurrency.
1: Yeah, but you know, you talked about, I know, I, I'd like to touch upon one more thing before we close, Derek, is regulation, right? I think, so we're talking about blockchain and Bitcoin and and, and the related function of these, which is DeFi and, and digital assets and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Then you have another sort of rising tide for regulation around AI. And I have personally yes. opined on not just the, the nexus of these two technologies, but necessity for for us to do analysis on financial crimes and real-time analysis, exactly what chain analysis is doing after the fact, I I see the world moving towards using AI actively into blockchain networks, whether it's for analysis or whether it's business modeling or whether it's it's figuring out the tokenomic effectiveness of tokenomic systems, for instance. But you know, that industry is also facing hurdles with regulation, regulation around use of data, use of privacy, you know, preserving technologies and Mm. who really has access, who really owns the data, who owns the inside. And then you have other sort of emerging areas of electronic vehicles and self-driving cars and space tech. And I'm just wondering that if if the regulatory forces, and this is not just SEC, this eventually goes back to the Congress and the House of Commons and House of Lords, depending on which country you're in, the Parliament, for instance, then this is like a massive wave of change the world needs to go through on every facet. And they're all interlinked. Your self-driving cars relies on AI, blockchain analysis relies on AI, self-driving car will have to pay at some level toll using a digital asset. So these are intertwined set of technologies. And I just think this is only going to get messy before it gets better. Yes. So I'm looking forward to that, that that fiasco. and, and, And I like to actually get some popcorn and watch watch the lawmakers struggle and say, how do we make sense of this? This is when me and you will come and help them educate with our papers and with our, you know, with our uh, acumen, so to speak, Derek, I'm on my house today.
0: So (laughs) I I would like to, to drop the accelerator down onto that process and see it happen at three times the current space pace, but you're absolutely right. It will, you know, all of these technologies are are interconnected and their confluences everywhere it's so powerful for mankind to enable them. And it's so extraordinarily naive to suggest that that a payment system for a, for an autonom- autonomously driving rented car going down the road is going to be done utilising bank debit and credits. It's just not going to happen that way. And so, <laughs> yeah, so or, or how, how you do it in America a check. For the fellow that gets to the end
1: of the road that's right check <laughs> is eventually going to phase out, but it'll take I, I hear it's going to be happening by the end of 2025 so we we'll still have some time that he can make fun of us and we'll uh, take it we'll, 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 we'll just live <laughs> fair with it. enough
0: but I, I read this comment the, the that i really thought was pertinent to where we're up to to set ourselves in a position in time and that's from a professor called carlota perez and she made some great statements in regards to technology growth She said, technology is adopted in predictable waves. Exuberant bubbles are followed by seemingly existential crashes prior to long golden ages of growth. We saw such a pattern back in 2001 when the so-called dot-com bubble burst. And the New York Times declared that dot-com is dot-gone and so (laughs) is the dream with it. Now, what an extraordinary statement to make and how amazingly wrong that particular person was that wrote that article. But what we're seeing is just that we've seen two outbursts of what I call ignorant exuberance in this marketplace. We know it's getting utilized. We know there's tools around the place. We know how it can interface with other things. The golden age is coming. And it'd be nice to see people prepare for it earlier in the piece rather than later. We can only try and encourage them,
1: oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. and and it's also funny. I'm going back to the President of Singapore who said this, you know, it's it's <laughs> if I can paraphrase it, it's it's a crazy thing. and And I would say that it's the crazy things that change the world, as my friend Steve Jobs put it, yes in his, in his campaign for Apple. So I'm hoping that he's right. It is crazy. And I'm hoping that that craziness is instrumental in changing. The way we live, the way we transact, the way we travel, and, and looking forward to that change, Derek.
0: Yeah, me too, nitten For those that would like to read the briefing paper that I gave the senator, I will upload it later today Please. on my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Okay. And I'll put it there in in a in a, a narrative on LinkedIn. Great to see you again. Enjoy your stay in Austria. Very keen next week. I'll be in Singapore at Fantastic. Token 2049. And so that'll be a, the following week. I'll give a briefing on that. That's and fantastic. We'll hear about your your extraordinary meeting with governmental leaders next Tuesday, which is no absolutely. And Thursday. I think
1: you'll be in Tokyo 2049. twenty forty nine. I'll be back from the US from Austria into the US, and you have permissionless happening. So I think ah. the week after we certainly have interesting things to report. From two different parts of the world, whether you have two simultaneous conferences with different agendas. So, looking forward to that chat as well, Derek.
0: Brilliant. Love it. I'll see you then. Travel well, Nitin.
1: You too. Take care, Derek. Bye. We hope you
0: enjoyed our weekly conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggested topics, please contact Nitin Gower or myself on the emails displayed here or via our LinkedIn profiles. Feel free to subscribe and share with like minded
1: friends. Stay well, inquisitive and engaged. See you next week.